Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. What's up guys, Coach Steve here, and welcome back to another episode of the Challenge Weekly Show. Today we're joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? I'm really well, thanks Coach Steve. It is a cold Melbourne day and I'm ready to go. It's cold, but it's sunny, Nick. So sun's out. Hoods I out. think it's actually raining, but anyway, maybe we're, you know, we're too far away from each other today to agree on the weather. I made the cardinal mistake on the weekend, Nick. What did you do? I am a bad parent. So it was my boy's first birthday on the weekend. Yes. And we took him to a petting zoo. Oh, right? that's it was so cute. nice. You got to yeah. pat a little sheep and a little goat and, you know, see the, the cow the and the, there, was, there was some bunnies and there was some uh, rogue kids that were, uh, you know, pulling the bunnies out of their little like hardy spot. It was, it was crazy. Right. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as coach Steve is going through packing the car, you know, I pack the, I pack little baby George, a, a jumper and a jacket and some socks. And we, we put it all in the car, jump in the car. And as I'm driving there, I'm like, Oh crap. I didn't bring the jacket for myself. Right. Oh, so no. once we got there, it was like, you know, 11 degrees or whatever in Melbourne, the sun was out and we're walking around this like, petting zoo area it was an open area and uh yeah it was fair to say that it wasn't cold uh, it wasn't hot is all i'm going to describe it as um so the moral of the story nick is to bring a jacket especially when you're outside and you gotta be a good role model to your kid and always bring a jacket right definitely um did you have a t-shirt on not jumper i did have a t-shirt t-shirt and oh, shorts because i'm crazy can't yeah. deal with that um but do you know what eventually they they go through a phase where they say i'm not cold and they won't wear a jacket themselves and it's, mm. it's freezing outside. They go, I'm not wearing that jacket. <laughs> well, look, it's springtime right now. So I'm hoping that it gets a little bit warmer, a little bit warmer. Uh, and especially as we transition through the end of this challenge, Nick, because we are in week 10, only a couple more weeks left. Uh, and then we transition through our voting phase and we go through our judging phase. Uh, then we announce our winners and then we're getting ready for the next challenge. Ooh. So let's talk about the next challenge, Nick. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited already for that one. The next challenge will be kicking off towards the end of October. So we'll be starting on the 24th of October. So prep week will begin on the 17th of October, so 24th of October, and it will be the M Challenges, with a little S M Challenges first six-week challenge. So the first six-week challenge for the M Challenge will be kicking off on October the 24th. And we're really excited about this because we had some really great success with the first Max and Maxine six-week challenge last year, towards the end of last year. So if you enjoyed that six-week version, uh, we're now repeating it in the M Challenge. And it's really great. This six-week is condensed, it's shortened, uh, mainly because it's it's less of a commitment, right? So it's not like you're signing up to the challenge and it's a 12-week, oh my God, this is long, this is a big slog, and you get to that six-week mark and you're kind of dragging your heels, being like, oh, it's you know not exciting anymore. If you're in and out six weeks, either on a, um, a strict weight loss phase or a strict uh, weight gain phase for six weeks, that's, that's something you can commit to. It's a really great way to structure your programming long-term, like maybe viewing it in six weeks blocks, being like, okay, this six weeks, I'm going to build muscle. This six weeks, I'm going to try to lose body fat. This six weeks, I'm going to maintain it. And I'm going to cycle that again. The next six weeks, I'm going to try to gain a bit of weight. The next six weeks, I'm going to try to lose a little bit of weight. And the next six weeks, I'm going to maintain that. And if you cycle through those three phases over and over again, it's a great time to continue to develop your physique over a long period of time, right? Yeah, I think that's really good. And I think particularly if you're a bit scared to eat in a calorie surplus and 
and gain some some muscle and a little bit of body fat six weeks is a really good kind of safety net amount of time where nothing too bad can happen and and you can have a good time and see how you go that's right it's like dipping your toes in the water of of a, a weight gain phase because most weight gain phases are like that six to 18 weeks long sometimes a little bit longer but as you progress further into like 18 weeks mark that's when you start to slowly gain that body fat be a little bit fluffy and you're like oh i'm not really comfortable with this that six week can be a great time to dip your toes in the water to gain some weight um or if you want to get really shredded for summer it is a perfect time six weeks you can lose a whole load of body weight and you know reveal the abs as we roll into that christmas time and that new year's time and the summertime i know what perfect timing for this one because you'll be shredded for christmas yeah shredded for the christmas sunday roast would be great i know and then you can <laughs> you can have a, a nice little um diet break for christmas and have some pudding and then... have it anyway to be honest but... <laughs> I, well, i'm starving i want some pudding <laughs> well look nick let's bring it back to this 10-week challenge our current mm -hmm. challenge at the moment the very first m challenge and i want to run through some key important dates super quickly so firstly we're in week 10 you will be able to upload your final photo from the end of this month so from the 30th of september you'll be able to upload your final photo. So for that final photo, you do need a completion document, which you can access via the M Challenge app from Friday, the 30th of September, um, or um, a newspaper where we can see the date on the newspaper and as be a, a paper newspaper. So no, no digital newspapers or anything like that. So we just need to be able to see the, either, the, either the entry document or a valid uh, newspaper and that you'll be able to upload your completion photo from Friday, the 30th of September. And then you have up until Tuesday, the 4th of October to upload that. So there's a number of days, you've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So five days to upload that final photo. So you may wanna finish the challenge all the way to Sunday and you take your photo on the Monday and upload it, or maybe even you sneak in an extra train day on the Monday and you, you upload it on the, the Tuesday, or maybe you take a photo every day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and you pick the best photo that you want to upload um, to your, your final completion photo. Okay. So that would be the end of the uh, end of the challenge, um, which will be um, the, the final photo phase. Okay. The challenge officially ends on the 2nd of October. So that's Sunday, the 2nd of October. And you have access to the M challenge app for two weeks after that. So you have access to the M challenge app up until the 16th of October. Then um, you will no longer be able to log into the M challenge app unless you sign up for our next uh, challenge, which will begin um, on the 24th of October. So if you do sign up for the next challenge, you can just continue to use the um, app. Um, however, you'll be prompted to choose which challenge you want to log into, either the current challenge um, or your next challenge. You'll have the option to log into both of those challenges. Okay. Yeah, so exciting as the app evolves and that sort of stuff starts to happen as well. And you can really interact with it and um you know be across everything it's very exciting it's very cool yeah mm. then we move into our public voting phase so public voting um, starts on the 5th so wednesday the 5th of october until sunday the 9th of october and you'll be get you'll get given five votes 
for male and five votes for female. So you have 10 votes total, five for male, five for female, and you'll get to vote for your favorite transformation. And that's all done within the app, which is really cool. So once we get into that phase, um, you'll be able to just click in the announcement section on the home tab, a little button, it'll take you to public voting. It's also a link. So we'll be sharing that across social medias and via email and all the things. You'll be able to um, click that link and go and vote for your favorite transformation. Next, um, we have the top 50, which is being announced on Wednesday, the 12th of October. And then we have our awards night on Friday, the 14th of October, um, which will be live streamed to our Facebook social hub where Coach Nick and I will be announcing the very first winners of the M Challenge. So Nick, they are some exciting dates ahead of us. Lots happening over September and October. Lots to keep us busy, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was just thinking maybe we should have an M theme dress up for our um, awards night. So uh, other than wearing our M challenge uniforms, something that start, you have to dress as something that starts with an M, like a mushroom or something. A mushroom. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. I yeah. already see. Look, I'm already dressed like one. Yeah, uh, I guess I'll have to dress up as Mario. Oh, my gosh, perfect. Yeah. Playing some uh, Super Mario and eating my mushrooms, right? There you go. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad that you know that. Is, is that still around? Oh, yeah. So, oh, uh, Mario uh, across Nintendo is huge. Sure, and all, oh, good. All I mean, yeah. because I used to play it and Coach Steve, this was in the 80s. Now, you were, were you baby or you weren't around, were you? I was not around in that. You weren't even baby. <laughs> <laughs> so Super Mario was, yeah, way back. Yeah, um, no, I was, uh, I'm a uh, 93 baby, Nick. Yeah, of course. Coach Steve, there's so much knowledge in that brain for being so small. <laughs> so small, yes. <laughs> Nick, other exciting news here is um, if you caught it at the tail end of last week's podcast or you've been on the M Challenge app or onto our Facebook social hub or anywhere across social media, we have launched the first M Challenge merchandise store. So it's separate to our supplement store, separate shop, and we are partnered with Fitprint. Um, so we were looking for a supplier and we didn't want to uh, go and source any, um, you know, overseas manufacturer or any, any sort of like dodgy thing or anything like that. We wanted to support an Australian um, clothing line, which is Fitprint. They source their own um, t-shirts and hoodies and shorts and all the apparel. And they sent us a bunch of the apparel. And I thought this was really great, you know, in, in the quality of like my Lululemon shorts were these shorts that they gave me. I loved it. Uh, and we partnered with them. So if you'd like to purchase some M Challenge CrossFit print merchandise, you can head on over to the M Challenge app. You probably find the, the link in the announcements um, or across our social medias um, or just reach out to us and we'll send you that link. So you can go ahead and purchase yourself some sweet M Challenge gear. 100%. And also, I just can't wait to find out who's going to be the first person to wear the M leggings. M leggings, Nick. Yes. <laughs> you know, girl or boy, man or woman, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, bring it on. Somebody buy them and show us what they look like. Yeah, so let us know if you do buy something. We want to see it. So um, once you get uh, any merchandise, you can tag us on, on social medias. So um, M Challenge on Instagram or if you're on our Facebook social hub, post about it. We'd love to, to see you rocking the M Challenge gear. Oh, 100%. I can't wait. Nick, let's move on to our community highlights where we're going to highlight some members of our community over the past week. So Nick, take us away. Who would you like to highlight? Okay, so first off, I've got Tammy Denning. Now, Tammy uh, is very active on our Facebook group and likes to share, which we love. So she's got a throwback Thursday and she said, the first pick is myself in my early 20s, so young, trying to find yourself and figure out who you are. Somewhat into exercise and healthy habits, but not enough to really care much. 
Second picture is me now in my late 30s, maybe 17 years between pictures. All I can say, the older you get, the more you realize how important it is to lead a healthy and active life for your future self and your aging years and process will thank you for it so much. So um, I love this because that's the, the thing that sometimes we forget to talk about, which is so important that strength training, being healthy is so important for your older years, you know, so you can get up and down um, from a chair, so you can climb the stairs in your house if you've got them, so you can be independent, so you can feel good. Amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, there's this one short video it goes for maybe two or three minutes and it often makes its rounds around social medias and it's a, a a video of this um older man and you know he's a little bit like older and frail um and he sees a photo of his grandson uh and then he starts his little like fitness journey where you know dusts off um like this kettlebell in his garage and he starts you know like picking it up and stuff like that and then his neighbors start seeing him you know this old crazy man like working out in his garage um, and then the final scene of the little clip, again, it only goes for like two or three minutes, is, um, you know, his grandson comes into the room at like Christmas time and he bends down to pick up the, his, his son and the, uh, grandson and, and pick him up over his head, just like he'd been practicing with the, with the kettlebell. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that's like, I'm not crying, you're crying Aww. type thing. And it's really emotional. Um, but yeah. it really highlights that, you know, exercise um, can mean lots of different things. Um, you know, within the challenge, we are focusing on trying to, you know, lose body fat and build muscle, trying to improve our body composition um but you know fitness or the readiness to complete a task uh is is super important especially as we age and we go through the um you know normal process of of losing um muscle which happens with, with age um so sarcopenia uh that um you know we still lose muscle mass lose strength lose capacity we're unable to to have our um normal function of life so prioritizing fitness now is a way that we can make it to our old age and be able to play with our grandkids. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Number one priority, I think. Number one. Mm -hmm. So the next one we've got is Jet Trembath. Now, Jet's a dark horse. I hadn't seen Jet before. Is he? I wonder if he's related to Benson. But um, anyway, Jet comes out of the woodwork looking awesome and goes, Enjoying the first eight weeks of the challenge so far, it started off difficult to train legs due to rupturing my ACL for the third time. So that's a lot. But I have persisted and started to build some strength back. Good on you, Jet. Looking forward to the pointy end of the challenge and how much more my body will change. Keep up the good work, legends. So how good's that? That's awesome. Mm. So good, Jet. Yeah, it must be related to Benson Trembath, one of our previous uh, top three finalists. Mm. Mm. The, the Maxis Challenge, yeah. Yeah, and you can you can relate to that, can't you? Because you know, it's better to just keep going when you have these these injuries or you know things that happen to you, and that's how you actually get stronger rather than stopping altogether or avoiding movements. That's that's right, mm. absolutely. And mm. you know, Jed, I relate to that because I've I've ruptured my ACL, my my right ACL, when I was eighteen. Um, it took me until I was about twenty three to to figure out it was my ruptured ACL. Uh, so I got misdiagnosed a bunch of times, and um, you know, I was um, running on it, I was I was squatting on it, I was deadlifting, doing all the good stuff on it. Um, and I know that one of the highest uh, risk factors for ACL rupture is a previous ACL, ACL rupture. <laughs> uh, so Jet, uh, the third time rupturing his ACL, so a much higher risk factor for rupturing his ACL. Could be genetic factors, um, could be lifestyle factors, whatever factors it is, he's working through those limitations. And um, an ACL, or the anterior cruciate ligament, you know, you can survive a really long time. Um, some people 
opt to never get it reconstructed because it's not super important if you are not playing like change of direction sports. So if you are, you know, just running in a straight line, like, you know, marathon running or whatever, um, or lifting weights, you know, you're moving in the, in, in a straight line, you're fine. But if you're playing uh change of direction sports, you may benefit from, you know, a little bit of that, that ligament's role, which is stopping, stopping the shin from, from sliding forward and coming out of your body. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. so Jet, great job. Keep training hard and we're excited to see what you can do over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have a look for you. Look out for you. Okay, Adriana Cullen, here we go. Week eight check-in. Yes, a bit late. I know, subtle changes, but that's okay. At this stage, my body isn't going to see massive changes without huge effort and precision in both nutrition and training. I realize that and I'm content. With my personal time constraints, I'm happy at this stage. I turn 40 in six weeks, so I really want to go on to this new decade feeling great. I've loved seeing you guys on your own personal journeys. It's getting to the pointy end of the challenge. Exciting times for sure. So Adriana is one of our ambassadors. And what I really like about this, apart from, you know, the 40, whatever, that's fine, 40 years old, yay, um, good on you. But my favourite thing is where she is realistic about her changes because she knows that uh, it's really about the amount of effort that you are willing to put in as to what you'll get back. And sometimes in life, you do want to just go along. And that is also fine because um, once you've got the strategy and you understand that, you can make little tiny changes and she looks amazing, but without having to put yourself into a massive deficit or struggle when you've got other priorities as well. So that's realistic, it's sustainable, and I like it. Yeah, I I, I like this a lot. And I think it just highlights that kind of concept of uh, like personal responsibility. Like, you know, if you are trying to lose weight and you're losing weight, great, you know, own that. If you are trying to gain muscle or, or gain weight, you know, own that. Um, but if you are uh, accepted that, hey, you know, this isn't a priority right now, but it's a it's a high priority, you know, priority number two, uh, because I'm, you know, got, got work things on or family things on or, you know, other lifestyle things happening, but it's still like a priority-ish for me, you know, maybe number two. I can still tinker along, but acknowledge that, hey, you know, I might not achieve these really drastic, amazing results, um, but I've accepted the level of responsibility that, you know, for my for my results, you know, this is the effort, a direct relationship bet- uh, between my effort and the output that I've uh, accomplished from here. So Adriana really highlights that. And there's nothing wrong with tinkering along, right? There's nothing wrong with maintaining um, and, you know, making sure that exercise is a part of our day-to-day life. And it doesn't need to be this kind of all or nothing mindset, which in a way we do promote in the challenge. It's a competition at the end of the day. Um, but for lifestyle purposes, we need to acknowledge that, hey, we are okay with just, you know, plodding along, getting the work done um, and not seeing really super dramatic changes over time. Yeah, I like it. And personal responsibility is so important. Nick, I'd like to highlight a few people today. So mm-hmm. the first one here goes out to Robin Sack. Now, Robin uh, has been a longtime challenger um, in previous versions of the challenge in the Max and Maxine challenge and has had her own challenges with the challenge and she writes definitely had a slow start to this challenge COVID and post viral illness and not 100% at all on nutrition but I've learned from previous challenges how to maintain and love the ease of go to pre-prepped foods after gym and training I am on the gain program which has been difficult after so much weight loss after last year on four challenges with a weight loss of 17 kilos I've um, I've gained, yay, two kilos. I know we usually don't uh, celebrate that uh, as females, 
but mindset is different now, all due to M Challenge, and I want strength and muscles as I age. Congratulations, Robin. I think you really highlighted that mindset shift, which are coming across um, across many challenges, many fitness enthusiasts, and particularly many women who want to be strong, not skinny, who want to build muscle and build strength and not just focus on, on focusing on losing weight, losing weight, losing weight. And that mindset shift has changed from losing 17 kilos last year and now gaining two kilos. So big congratulations to Robin. Yeah, that's right. And you've highlighted brilliantly, Robin, that you just can't keep going in one direction forever. You have to pivot and be good with it. Unless you're a boy band, Nick. Oh, true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got that one thing. Are they still together, though? I don't no know. idea. No okay. idea. We don't know. Is a, is Harry Styles, is he one of them? Well, yes, but I don't think that, see, I know that he does solo stuff. I should ask my daughters. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. not here. They're one Direction is still a fantastic. Thing. It's really good that they're at school today. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nick, really... The next one here goes to Anita Bertolini. And Anita, we highlighted her about uh, six, seven weeks ago, and she's smashing it. So she's doing a really great job getting the work done and seeing some great transformation so far. So Anita writes, okay, MFAM, I wasn't gonna, going to do a post, but I've come a long way in eight short weeks. I'm so happy with my progress, amazed at my physical changes, and I've lost about eight kilos so far on moderate weight loss program. Still a long way to go, but this is a great start. Week one felt like a nightmare. Seeing those photos was like a slap in the face, but the dream is almost in sight and I can't be more excited. Reading all the comments, seeing all your posts and progress photos is so motivating. Keep going uh, helps a lot knowing I'm not alone. And Anita really highlights it here where, you know, one, uh, eight weeks goes by really quick and, you know, we're in week 10 now. So she's, um, seen some some great results over that that time period and i'm sure she's seeing some even more results as we move into this kind of magical phase where everything's just wrapping up in the challenge and we get to see some amazing transformations come out and number two is that you know anita you're not alone like everybody else um we're, we're all in this journey together and we all have our ups and downs and you know we can lean on each other to help motivate us through these these tougher times so congratulations to anita yeah i love the positivity with this you know positive not toxic positivity, but actual positivity where you're you're highlighting all the good things. Sometimes we forget and we forget that this is actually meant to be a little bit of fun as well. It's not supposed to be torture. We're not in the Tower of London. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nick, last one here I want to highlight uh, goes to Beck Bates. And Beck writes, can't believe there is only four weeks to go. I've been going really well with my gym workouts need to improve on my 10,000 steps a day, but, uh, and be very strict with my weighing of my foods. I found this challenge quite fun. Actually, I would love a chocolate bar right now. Uh, who else would, <laughs> I love that back. Um, and, and I like this because again, you know, taking a bit of bit, a little bit of personal responsibility from Beck, you know, she's reflected and she's highlighted that she's doing really well in her gym workouts. Um, she can improve her step count, you know, aiming for that 10,000 steps a day. Um, and she can continue to be stricter with weighing her own foods. Maybe, you know, she's putting a, being a little bit heavy handed with some of the food items that she's weighing it out. Um, so Beck, thanks for being honest with us. And I think as you, 
be honest with yourself, right? You're the only person you're lying to is yourself. Um, that's when you can find ways to improve and find that weak point and get better over time. So Beck, keep going. Um, remember that you can have a chocolate bar if you like. Uh, you know, the Maxine Burn Bars are really super tasty and it fits nicely into your plan. It's all about portion control. So instead of um, completely restricting yourself and abstaining from things like a chocolate bar, I bet that that chocolate bar looks tastier and tastier by the day. And if you give into the, uh, the the temptations, you know, that one chocolate bar is a high chance it won't stop at one. It might end up being five chocolate bars at once, um, which will be more of a problem than if you just have one chocolate bar and be on your way. So Beck, congratulations. Uh, and a big congratulations to all of our um, community highlights this week. Yeah, thanks for being so positive, everybody. It's wonderful to see. I love it. Good on you. Nick, let's move on to our next segment here. We have the Coach's Corner where we offer our tip for the week. So, Nick, take us away. What advice would you like to give for us? I just want to chat to you guys about my gym rituals, just how do I warm up, um, how long do I take to warm up, and do I do cardio and why? Now, I change with the tide depending on um, what my goal and focus is. So um, speaking now, I actually do do some cardio, but I'll, ch I'll chat about that in a second. So how do I warm up? Do you know what's really funny, Coach Steve? This has always been the case for me, perhaps because I've been influenced by some, you know, some great coaches that love to just lift weights. I warm up with the movement pattern and, and um, barbell pattern or of the particular exercise I'm going to be doing. So for me, I don't even hop on a treadmill or do anything other than just rock up and find my spot, uh, whether it's on the deadlift platform or whether it's um, in the squat rack. And um, I will warm up with the empty bar first. So that's my very, very first thing. And um, before that, I'll if it's deadlifting, I will remove my shoes. I can't help myself and um, I just don't want any shoes on. So I'll take them off. If it's um, squats, I will put on my heel raised squat shoes. And um, depending on what's going on, I might also wrap my knees up, uh, not wrap them up, just put my knee sleeves on. Um, I'm finding just as I drop body fat as well, it just, it helps me just to, to keep my insides inside and not not for nothing nothing to fall out um i will then uh yeah do the empty bar so i tend to do that for around about like 12 reps or so and that allows me to uh really feel what's going on in my body for that particular day so um i don't know if this is an oldie thing or it's just a training thing but different days bring on different feelings for your body you could go oh i feel very tight there or um, my knee isn't feeling the best today, or I might change my stance a little bit, or I might need to work on my depth a bit more today, that sort of thing. Or, oh gosh, you know, uh, I've really got to, I've got to watch out that I don't say in a squat, bend over too much because I might be fatigued. So that's how I assess what's going on. Then I don't make any silly decisions about what I'm going to be doing until I do um, around about like, you know, 50% of my one RM, I'll, I'll play around with that. So when I say play around, I'll do, you know, 10 reps of that. And then um, I might just move just a little bit more weight and do a 12 rep set. And then after that, I'll have a little bit of a, just like reckon, what is it? Not rec it's not reconnaissance it's something else of the gym reconnaissance that's the one reconnaissance <laughs> reconnaissance of the gym see what's going on um 
and then I will start to work on my working sets. The, uh, the, the other thing that I might also do, and this does depend, is I might do something, I might do one rep that's just a little bit heavier than what I'm going to work with. So um, I do do that and I just see what's going on and apparently that primes your, your um, CNS, but I don't know exactly because you'll be able to tell me that if that's true. But um, I do do that as well. And then I, I start to work. So for me, how long does that take? It's it's probably, I don't really time it, but I'd say it's probably 10 to 12, maybe even 15 minutes of that kind of a thing. Um, and then I start to work. And the work probably takes, you know, the same amount of time, probably a little bit longer than that, depending on my rests. And I'm very much like you that I, um, I don't stress over making rests short or anything like that. Um, I very much will listen to what's going on in my body and um, yeah, rest for what I need to rest for. Like my days are over of trying to be a hero or thinking that, that shorter rest times um, make a difference, you know, to fat loss or something like that. That doesn't work like that. Um, now with the cardio at the moment, it's um, not a lot of fun because I have to do, um, not only do I have to do my steps, but because I'm very close to competition, I also have to do, um, it's just increased now to around about one hour. Well, it's not around about, it is one hour of extra cardio on a machine of my choice because, because I'm good with cardio machines. I can choose because I'm responsible. I'm a responsible human being. So um, the worst one in the whole wide world is the Stairmaster. And so I, I choose the Stairmaster. I choo choo choose it. And um, it wears me out. So that needs to be after training, if I can, if I have time, if it fits into my day. And um, if someone else helps to take the kids to school or something like that, then that can all happen. Otherwise, um, sometimes I need to compromise and maybe do something before the training, but that I wouldn't suggest that. I think it's really good if you're going to do any fatiguing type of cardio to do it after your weights. And it actually feels really good because you know that you've done what you really need to do. So always weight training comes first. Especially for me that I'm trying to preserve as much muscle as I can. I don't want to be um, just going in and, and becoming a bit real cardio bunny. So um, I, I do use chalk. Um, I went away over COVID a little bit. So we've all got our own um, liquid chalk. I use that. I, I do use straps um, for many, many lifts now. Um, I've stopped being a hero for everything. Um, and yeah, I also just really am trying to just work on the classic stuff, which is, you know, that range of motion and um, just really trying to feel each lift now and not rush myself. I like Nick. That's um, some great uh, gym rituals. And it sounds, sounds similar to approaches that I take where I don't necessarily do any um, specific or long elaborate warm-up. Most of my warm-up is setting up my gym which is warming up my body and then i would do a few practice sets um of however many reps i feel like doing but you know of a, of a low uh, level of effort so maybe like a, a five out of ten effort so that might be you know 50 percent my weight or whatever it is for a few reps or something and then you know getting into into some work so i do think that um long elaborate warm-ups or cool downs um just take away from more meaningful tasks like if you spend uh, i don't know half an hour warming up you're, you're probably pretty tired to put any effort into your um, actual 
working set. And if you are short on time and you have a half an hour warm up, well, you know, there's, there's your, your, your time gone. Um, but Nick, you know, as you get closer to your competition, uh, you, you mentioned you're doing a bit more cardio. Um, mm. But, you know, wh- why are you choosing to do more, more cardio? Like, what's the rationale behind it? Well, in, I mean, look, the thing is, because I, I don't want my calories to go too low. Um, I mean, they, they're fairly low, but like, let's say, quote unquote, low for, for my, um, you know, my specific needs. I choose to expend energy rather than, um, rather than dip into uh, eating less. Um, I, I would choose cardio because also I, I've got a soft spot for it. We know that. So I would prefer to do that over dropping calories drastically low. So that's my choice really. And I'm, I, and also because I've got only a little while to go, I know that I can unleash the beast because that's one of my aces that's up my sleeve that we haven't really touched, like we haven't really used, which is my epic ability to be an endurance fiend. And, you know, when I think I'm about to die, I rise up again. So that's just, it's not healthy, Coach Steve. None of this is healthy. This this pointy end is not necessarily healthy. But at the same time, what's really exciting is it's improving my endurance now for then if I go into doing, well, the plan is to do the Ironman. So I should actually be pretty sweet. So that works quite well. I'll be lighter and feeling good. No, I like it. And are you you said you're choosing uh, to do an hour of cardio. Was mm. that every day you said? Uh, five times a week at the moment. Five times a week. And that if was... I can fit it in, like say, you know, tomorrow we're in the office all day. So uh, it's going to be a little bit hard to do all the steps plus the one hour plus. So, you know, I'll have to just maybe borrow that from another day or that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, and are you randomly choosing what machine to do? Um, or is there like more of a structure behind that? Well, we only have, you know, um, I've got an elliptical at my house. So if if I'm doing, I've got a spin bike at my house, but because I'm still unfortunately very efficient at the spin bike, um, my body just doesn't really, it, it just takes a lot. It takes a lot of effort for me to, to sort of expend a lot of energy on that spin bike. So I sort of try to avoid the spin bike. Um, and then it just really comes down to choice. You know, if I could really choose something, I'd, probably not for an hour, but I'll, I'll go a rower because I reckon that they're an awesome bang for buck, but I don't really can't even be bothered trying to find somewhere that's got a rower and do all that just for that. So the, the Stairmaster's one that's, um, I find it very challenging for myself. So I quite like it. Um, that's the only reason it's not superior. In fact, people say that it's pretty crappy, you know, especially around leg day, but I quite like it. I like the endorphins. <laughs> no that's very cool um all right well a few more questions if you are um you know selecting your exercise uh your cardio equipment um a bit more like uh, ad hoc or whatever you kind of feel like how are you measuring um the differences between each machine like you know if you're walking on a treadmill versus spitting your legs on a bike which you said was really easy for you versus like a rower um how are you rating your energy expenditure across the different machines is it like a self-perceived um you know well, like I do, do have I do have um, a specific heart rate that I've got to maintain. So I've got um, for me it's between one thirty to one forty. So it's sort of moderate. Um, so there's that. There's also I've got a Garmin. So I look at um, 
energy expenditure on there, but not in terms of being able to eat that back or anything. It's just that because it's something that I do regularly, I can sort of see how there are different spikes in it. So I, I take that into account as well. And um, yeah, I also, I think also just the amount of time. And I, I, I think really I do listen to my body. So there's a certain level of fatigue that I like to reach and where I know that that I've sort of completed it. But after an hour of anything, you're going to feel that. So that's pretty straightforward. Um, but, yeah, I, I usually just, well, I just keep my heart rate in a certain zone. So I don't, I don't, well, I try not to go over about 140. Yeah. No, I like that. Well, this goes out to anybody listening to the podcast. If you wanted to, uh, well, firstly, if you are stuck at like this um, plateau, you're trying to continue to see weight loss um, and you have that choice either to increase energy expenditure or uh, decrease your energy intake, decrease your energy intake as in eat less food or increase your energy expenditure, do more activity. You could in any sort of way, increase your step count. And that's a really easy way to measure something. I've done 8,000 steps, 10,000 steps, 12,000 steps. But when we start talking about cardio, it starts to get trickier to compare it and measure it the same way. Um, similar to my mini interrogation of Coach Nick here, where we go, okay, well, how do we compare spinning your legs on a bike to walking on a Stairmaster to doing a rower versus um, just walking outside? Like, how do we measure those things? Because they all have different energy expenditure per minute. And if you're judging it off, you know, an hour, an hour on a rower is going to be very different to, um, you know, walking an hour on a treadmill at, you know, three kilometers an hour, they're very different experiences. So we can measure it on like a, a qualitative analysis, like you're suggesting like, oh yeah, you know, it's a, I get to a point where I, I feel it, you know, you rate it out of one to 10, it's probably around this eight, like an, an eight out of 10 efforts, right? You can measure it via your heart rate. So that's another way to perceive effort. You know, I'm staying around this heart rate for this amount of time, regardless of what activity I'm doing. Um, or three, you could use tools like an activity tracker maybe not, you know, counting those numbers exactly, but, you know, if you use the same tool over time, even if that tool is slightly incorrect, it gives us a good trend. So if you know that across these days or across the week, I'm expending this much extra energy um, through these cardio endeavors, then that can tip the balance of my energy intake versus my energy expenditure, which sounds like you've got it all mapped out, Nick, perfectly. One, from a measuring side of things, but then two, just from um, experience, from having done it before. So, you know, Dear Challenger, if you are wishing to introduce some cardio, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just we need to approach it in an intelligent way. And often the easiest way to measure it is via our step count as a means for our to measure our energy expenditure. Yeah. And also just as an aside, um, when I do say this the stairmaster for say an hour, the particular the machine says, Oh, I've done close to a thousand calories. Now my actual garment says that that's more like 500. So don't forget that if you're measuring particular calories from a machine, unless you're doing it just to get a figure of, you know, what level you've worked at, it's probably going to be a little bit flawed there because they, they must assume that you're a 98 kilo man or something. I don't know what they assume on that machine, but it's just, it's not, it wasn't accurate for me. Hey, Nick, there's nothing wrong with a 98 kilo man, huh? That's you, yes. Because you would probably you would expend, I reckon, one thousand five hundred calories if you if you were on that stairmaster for an hour. Uh yeah, I'm I'm unsure. Um, mm. but we'll we'll have to um, 
use some very expensive machinery to measure how much uh, calories I expend per hour. I know. And the thing is, yeah, there's no need to even get into that because that's actually completely irrelevant. But when you're desperate in the cardio zone and there's nothing else and and you just want to get it done, those things, be, those numbers become quite important um, just because there's something to look at. <laughs> so much fun. No, so good, Nick. No, thank you for sharing your gym rituals. Thanks for asking me questions about them. <laughs> Nick, I would like to talk about the concept, the concept of if you're not slowing down, you're not growing. If you're not slowing down, you're not growing. And what does this mean? I'm talking about velocity. I'm talking about weightlifting. I'm talking about hypertrophy. Okay, so big words. Let's break them down. What do they mean? And how is this tip something that you can apply right now? Okay, so firstly, story time. Story time, I'm often finding myself in the gym um, and I often find myself um, watching people lift, okay? Um, I try to do it in a non-creepy way, um, but you know, through my training as an osteopath, I see people lift, I see shoulders, I see hips. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really mobile. It's really amazing. Look at that strength. Look at the way that person moves, great. Uh, and one thing I find is that individuals are often um, not taking their working sets to a position where they are meeting an overload stimulus. Okay, an overload stimulus is uh, the stimulus that we are aiming for to reach um, a, a hypertrophy response. Hypertrophy means when muscle grows. So we are trying to apply within a set a stimulus onto our body that stimulates muscle growth. Okay, and we do that and we call that the overload stimulus. Okay, how do we know we've reached an overload stimulus? Well, we want to be training close to failure. So close to a point where our muscle can no longer contract anymore. And we want to be training close to that fa uh, failure within two repetitions. Now, as we get closer to failure, we start utilizing more and more muscle fibers to complete the action. Okay. So within a muscle, we have two types of fibers. We have the fast twitch fibers. So these are the strong, powerful, big bang, um, you know, cannon like muscles. Um, and then we have the slow twitch fibers, which these muscles are like the, the marathon runner. They're just chugging along, chug, 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 chug. Not as powerful as our big fast twitch fibers. Maybe a better analogy would be like a sprinter, fast twitch, you know, bang, and then they kind of fatigue quickly. Slow, slow twitch muscle fibers, they can go, 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 go. They take a long time to fatigue, but maybe not as powerful. Okay, so each one of our muscles has a blend between fast twitch and slow twitch muscles. So as we get closer to failure, our fast twitch muscles fatigue, our slower twitch muscles take over. And what happens is we start to get weaker as we get closer to failure. And we've all experienced this. You know, if you tr train to true failure, you're doing bicep curls, train, 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 bicep curl, bicep curl, bicep curl. As you get closer to the very end, you'll notice that you feel weaker, it becomes harder and the weight starts slowing down. You can't be as quick, um, which is what we measure velocity. So velocity on the load. Okay. so. Main takeaway that I want to highlight is that if you're not slowing down when you're lifting, so if you are doing bicep curls, you're doing bicep curls really quickly and there's no change in the speed of doing your bicep curls, you're not growing. Okay. If you are not slowing down, you are not getting close to an overload stimulus and you are not stimulating hypertrophy. I'm being really specific here about the process of building muscle. If you are trying to gain strength, you probably don't want to be slowing down and changing velocity too much. Uh, because you get to a point where you can't complete 
the rep if you are moving too slowly, right? And especially within powerlifting, the velocity is much slower than in normal weightlifting because you've got a lot of load. And if you reduce your velocity any lower, the, you're not going to complete the exercise. Imagine deadlifting and you've got such a low velocity that that bar isn't even coming off the ground, right? So within bodybuilding, within hypertrophy work, within building muscle, we need to be training to a point where we reach overload, where we get close to failure. And the best way to measure that is when the reps start slowing down. So if you want a, a way today to start measuring, you know, how am I reaching that overload stimulus? You can either, while you're exercising, take note of how quickly you're moving. Or number two, if you watch a video of yourself, you will notice that the first repetition is of a certain speed. Let's say that's 100% of your effort. And then as you progress through your reps, let's say rep number five, you start seeing the weight slow down a little bit. Rep number six, seven, eight, you know, the weight slows down. And as you get closer to failure, let that be 10 reps, 12 reps, 15 reps, 20 reps, whatever repetition you're doing, we want to see that the load starts slowing down. You physically can't move that barbell fast enough. And that is a great way to highlight that your fast twitch muscles have fatigued, the slow twitch muscles are starting to fatigue. You have reached a point of fatigue where you're close to failure. Okay. And if there's anything you take away, heck, you could even start um, lifting weights and not even counting the reps. You just lift weights into a point where things slow down, where it becomes hard, things slow down. And the, that maybe final rep that you stopped at maybe took uh, twice as long to complete than the first repetition. So if you were able to get a little stopwatch and count, the first rep of bicep curls takes you, you know, 0.2 seconds. Then the final rep of your bicep curl, it takes 0.1 seconds. Great. You have you have successfully slowed down while you're lifting because you have um, experienced fatigue uh, and then you have successfully reached an overload stimulus where you see that muscle growing. The caveat here, Nick, is that you can't just slow down. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an easy way to cheat the system where you do the first rep fast and the second rep slow and you're like, ah, I reached an overload stimulus, I've beaten the system. No, no, no. We want to be training with intent and that intent we experience the fatigue onset, which slows down our movement. So the main takeaway is if you're not slowing down, you're not growing. And if you are, um, you know, doing a single arm dumbbell row and it looks like you're starting a lawnmower and you're, you're doing the lawnmower pulls all day, um, you're, you're not really training your back. You're just doing movement. We want to be slowing down with our lifts. Mm, definitely. And if you've, if you've experienced that feeling, you know, you can't really fake it. That's right. That's right. Mm. And it goes back to like the um, pumping iron type videos. You know, you see Arnie, he's doing bicep curls. And then, you know, the, the last couple of reps, he's like, ah, you know, he's really struggling. And then, you know, he's really like slowly lifting that dumbbell. He's like, ah, you know, Arnie bicep curl. That is what we're trying to experience. We're trying to experience, not the ah part, <laughs> we're trying to experience the, the slowing down of the barbell where, you know, we are building that fatigue in our muscle bellies where, you know, it can no longer contract and we experience a slowdown. So if you are experiencing the slowdown, ticking all the boxes, you're reaching an overload stimulus. It's good that you mentioned bicep curls because for me, that's one that I slow down fairly quickly on. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just have not got very strong biceps. I'm working on it, but goodness me, I feel it's probably one of my weakest body parts, I'd have to say. Yeah, well, look, we, we all experience a slowdown in different ways, especially across different muscle groups. So some muscle groups, you know, you hit the wall where, you know, it's like bang, 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 boom, mm -hmm. right? And you hit the wall and you can't complete another repetition. Mm -hmm. Whereas others, it's like 
bang, 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 bang. You know, you kind of slow down, you get the grind. Like, you know, when you train your legs, if you're on a leg press, you can grind out reps for a while, you know, yeah. grind, grind, grind. You know, you're slowing down, but you can continue to kind of grind through it. Whereas like on a bench press, you might be like, bah, bah, bah. And then, you know, you get to like rep number seven of 10 and you're like, bang, you just hit a wall and you can't progress. Um, that speaks a little bit more about technical proficiency and, you know, other contributing muscles and, you know, you might've misgrooved or whatever type type thing. Um, but, you know, we all have our own unique experiences to things like that. Mm. Mm. But no, good, good. Nick, let's move on to our final segment here. We have our question and answer. Okay. So the first question here comes from Andrew on the forum and he writes, barbell deficit deads. What, um is meant to be achieved by doing a barbell deficit deadlift so nick tell us why would we choose to use a deficit when um, completing a deadlift well firstly um it increases your range of motion so that means that it actually makes it makes it a little bit harder so when you go back to doing your normal deadlift after practicing with that um you'll find that so i'll just say a little story uh way back way back when I was learning to deadlift, I've done a lot of deadlifting and um, I got to a pretty sticky point. It was, I think it was about 130 kilos and I was very scared of it at the time and things. So um, what we did was we regressed it and um, made it rather than me lifting 130, it was probably about, I'm guessing maybe about 110. It was a lot of weight. And um, I practiced doing that from a deficit standing on um, just a plate and um it actually increased my strength in my entire, let's say, posterior chain, um, you know, glutes, hamstrings, quads, your quads burn doing them. And then when I actually went back to the 130, it was um, a piece of cake. So I am all for deficit deadlifts. Um, I know them as accessories to sort of powerlifting. You know, it's something that that you use to really um, increase that, that pull off the floor and even um, help with the velocity of, of that pull off the floor. So if you're super slow at pulling, it can actually help you with that as well. That sort of really sticky point. I don't know if you've ever felt that audience, you know, audience, people, listeners, but where you um, are pulling off the floor and there's that little point where it's either going to come up or it's not. And if you can sort of slightly get it off the floor, but you can't convert it, it's um, a deficit deadlift is a really good um, accessory exercise to help you convert it into a real, a real, a deadlift. And also I must just say another one of my favorites is a snatch grip deficit deadlift as well. And um, they're really good for, for your lats and um, back and posterior chain. I just, I just bloody love deficit deadlifts. I haven't done one for a while. And because I am quite tall, the the range of motion required are we the same height yeah yeah i think i'm a little, little bit taller but you're a little bit taller but yeah, yeah um th that really makes me into a giraffe deadlifting <laughs> so um it feels it feels pretty good and when you go back to your normal it's amazing yeah, deficit deadlifts, uh, they're a great accessory in, in, in powerlifting. Um, within bodybuilding, um, if it was a true deadlift, I would say that it, it changes the target muscle. Um, so I would say like a true deadlift would be primarily like a glute-based exercise. Um, however, if you add the deficit, you're in a little bit more hip flexion. Um, so you get a little bit more of that hamstring stretch. Uh, so then it turns it uh, into a little bit more of a hamstring dominant deadlift in that first phase, you know, like that, that pull off the floor. Um, so often people use a deficit deadlift 
within the hypertrophy world to train the hamstrings more. Um, whereas an accessory within powerlifting, it's a bit more of a technical proficiency, like you said, Nick, you know, helping with that pull off the, the floor and engaging through that whole posterior chain. So uh, the, I think the main takeaway is that a deficit anything adds more range of motion. Uh, it's anything. Um, so that can change some target muscles, um, but it can be a great way to add variety. So if you're doing lots of deadlifts, you know, you, you're doing the same movement pattern, a great way to overload. Um, but, you know, doing that over 10 years of deadlifts every day, uh, we need a little bit of a different stimulus. So by changing the deadlift in something fresh, like a, a deficit deadlift or something, uh, that can be enough of variety so that we can continue to see a stimulus for growth. Mm, definitely. Well, I do love them. Do you love them? I do, I do, um, but uh, I, I, I do prefer just a standard deadlift. Yeah, if, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, good. Uh, Nick, next question here comes from Lindell, and Lindell writes, unsure if I should cut calories further. My goal is weight loss, but to date have only lost 400 grams in eight weeks. Training has been on point, missed four sessions in eight weeks. At at least 10,000 steps and nutrition at 95% with allowing myself two glasses of wine on Friday and Saturday. I feel much more energetic and my clothes are feeling more comfortable, but with the huge change in activity and nutrition, I was expecting more weight loss. Started at 87.8 kilos and 1500 calories, now down to 1300 calories. Should I drop it further or hang in there? I keep waiting for the whoosh, but maybe I am dreaming. Okay. Let's break this down, Lindell. So she starts at 87.8, loses 400 grams. So I'm assuming she's down at uh, 87.4. So 87.8 to 87.4 um, in eight weeks. So, uh, you know, doing some very quick math, you know, she might've lost maybe 0 0.5, 0.6% uh, of her body weight. Because remember, it's, it's, it's better, more efficient to look at the, the percentage of, of weight loss. Um, so in, in her case, over eight weeks, if she's lost, you know, let's say for argument's sake, 0.8% of her body weight over eight weeks, she's lost 0.1% of her body weight per week for eight weeks. So that's a, just a simple way to look at it. Okay. We do recommend a weight loss rate of about 0.5 to 1% per week. So she's definitely on the lower end um, and she can um, look at her energy balance. Okay. So firstly, I'm just going to take this post um, as it is right now and assume that she's um, absolutely 100% um, true with everything that she has written, okay? Because oftentimes that we, we should reflect and go, okay, you say that we're eating 1500 calories, is that completely correct? You know, are you measuring correctly? Are you um, repeating certain meals? You know, are you tracking the wine on the weekend? Are you add, adding that into your calorie intake? Like, is there an error with the energy intake? Because that's a really high, um, spot where we make mistakes is how we measure things, right? So saying, oh, I consume this many calories, there's a high chance that you don't, not by, not on purpose, simply as a, you know, you didn't weigh your food correctly or, or whatever reasons. That's number one. Number two, we need to assume that energy expenditure is correct. You're saying that you're having at least 10,000 steps per day. Again, um, you know, there's a high chance that our energy expenditure is uh, incorrect. And, you know, we can be consistent with 10,000 steps, might be better to look at the weekly average because you know if you're having 10,000 steps on the dot every day, 
uh, you know, that, that, that might be a strange thing to think about. Imagine you, Nick, doing 10,000 steps and, you know, you, you're getting ready for bed and you walk into the kitchen. You're like, oh, I've hit 10,000 steps. That's it. No more steps for me. And, you know, you get Shane to pick you up and take you to bed. Mm -hmm. right? Like that's a, a strange thing to say, like mm -hmm. right on the dot. Of course, you know, there's the ups and downs, but this is what we're talking about now, the ups and downs. Okay. So at the end of the day, we need to assess our energy expenditure and we can be in a position where we need to either increase our energy expenditure or decrease our energy intake. You're saying, should you decrease your calories? Well, like what we spoke about in Nick's Coach's Corner, we can either choose to uh, increase our energy expenditure through maybe adding some cardio or adding more steps in through the day um, or looking at our approach to energy expenditure. Maybe you're, if you improve your um, intensity in the gym, we're expending more energy in the gym and X, Y, and Z. Um, or if that's not an option, we can reduce our calories further. I would say um, that if you are at 1500 calories uh, and then now down to 1300 calories, for me, 1300 calories on a menu looks very small. Um, you know, that's, that's, I, I would eat 1300 calories for a dinner, right? So that, that, that's me. So if you're saying, Coach Steve, you're on 1300 calories, I'll be like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I, I couldn't eat that throughout the whole day. So maybe someone like Lindell, like 1300 calories are like, yeah, no, that, that's not going to be fun. We need to look at ways to increase our energy expenditure. So the main takeaways is number one, we might want to, review and do an audit on ourselves, reflect and, and be honest and saying, okay, well, no, I'm not tracking the, the, the wine that I'm having on the weekend. Nothing wrong with having a glass of wine, but if you're not tracking it, okay, that's extra calories that you're consuming. Are you being completely adherent to your meal plan and being confident that, hey, I'm eating 1500 calories? Absolutely. Here's my proof. Here's my evidence. Am I doing at least 10,000 steps? Here's my proof. Here's my evidence. More of yourself, right? Um, and then, you know, is there ways that you can increase that energy expenditure? Could you do 12,000 steps? Could you, um, you know, look at that overload, that concept, you know, training to a point where you're slowing down. Okay, I'm actually reaching a point where my, my body's struggling and I've got to build some muscle. I've got to recover from this. These are big, big rocks in our weight loss journey. So simple equation, either increase your energy expenditure or decrease your calories, but there's more moving parts that's probably worth a bit of reflection. Yeah, definitely. And I love the point about, your training intensity and you, you do have to have some calories kicking around to maintain that training intensity, which is so important to maintain as much muscle as you can well, as you diet. So yeah, cutting calories might be for, for, you know, an eighties weight loss plan, but it's not always the best option as your go-to before all the other things that you spoke about. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Nick, next question here comes from Stacy. She writes, hi everyone. For those who have completed a challenge from home, what equipment do you recommend for a home gym? I recently moved interstate to a beautiful small town and there's no gym. Grateful for any advice. Thank you in advance. Stacy. let's talk about home gyms. Nick, mm. what advice would you give Stacy about equipment to get? We love talking about home gyms, don't we? Um, yeah, so how long is a piece of string with that sort of a thing? Um, just say, Okay, I'm assuming, I'm just going to assume that Stacey's going for gold because she's moved, she's committed to living in a new place that um, probably if it's a smallish town, she may have some space, I would say. She's probably got a bit of a property. So let's just assume that. And let's assume that she's got some, some space to then um, construct the gym of her dreams. Um, let's go there. <laughs> I would say it's really important to have a set of dumbbells. Now, um, you, you know, we do say the adjustable dumbbells and that's fantastic. Um, I wonder now post 
COVID and things, if you could actually get even a set of just the the normal dumbbells for a pretty good price, I'd be checking that out because um, they're probably not as high in value as they used to be. And you could probably get those um, from people who have actually, who are getting rid of their home gyms. Uh, so I'd have dumbbells. I personally would have a barbell. I would have um, weight plates, um, as many as you can get your hands on. Uh, I personally love to have, I have a squat rack, a power rack. Um, the thing with that particular um, apparatus is that it was the first thing I, I chose when when they said gyms were closing. I was like, I've got to get myself one of them because I knew that I could do chin-ups on them as uh, on that as well. Plus, you know, all sorts of different interesting exercises as well as my squats. Um, so that's, it's actually really versatile. You can do all sorts of different things um, with a power rack. So um, a bench is really important or something that you can lie down on. And um, yeah, those the things, uh, what are they called? Oh my gosh, this is my brain. But um, the the squat rack that you can move around because then you can use that as a bench press. They're just the two poles. Just uh, the the arms. Yeah, arms. Yeah, arms. Arms are good. Um, if if you were interested in um, any type of of kettlebells, you know that they're, they're quite good to have as well. Um, and then you get into all sorts of stuff like cables as well. So um, I think you and I both like cables don't we so um i'd probably get some cable-y type situations like um one where you could do some sort of a lat pull down but then also i must say that i have a um a hamstring curl and leg extension adjustable bench which is fantastic as well so i mean you can go all the way from that to really just having a couple of dumbbells and a mat and you can go anything in between um, and get a really good training session in. It is just going to depend on your budget and what's going on. But I would probably call it a bit of a slow collection and I would just start collecting items. You don't have to have everything at once. I used an Esky for like a year or two as a bench and that was fine. Um, now I've got an adjustable bench, which I find to be quite good. You can make it flat, you can make it incline. And um, yeah, I just, I love my barbell, my weight plates and my dumbbells and I don't have a whole bunch of dumbbells either I, I actually lasted with I've got a six an eight and a ten I, I wouldn't mind getting a 12 and I've got one adjustable one that that weighs about 18 kilos it's like called big mama big mama I like mm -hmm. it <laughs> yeah yeah how about you you've got you've got opinions I've got opinions yeah no no uh the I've got a a, a range of little uh toys I guess that I've, I picked up over the, the my time um but the primary bits of equipment that I use the most is one, I have a squat rack that um, folds. So the two arms kind of come out and it clips on, you can fold it close. So it's just a space saver. So I've got a single car garage, so I could kind of fold up my gym and park the car in the single car garage. So I find that really handy. And then because again, it's a single car garage, if I am doing things like, um, you know, like a deadlift or something like that, or, or I need a bit more space, I can fold the squat rack up um, and then I can use some floor space. So uh, one, I've got a, a foldable squat rack. Um, two, I do a lot of barbell training. So um, of course I've got a barbell, um, I've got an Olymp Olympic barbell and I've got the Olympic bumper plates as well. So I have uh, you know about 250, 260 kilos of um, plates. And you know I, I hope that I can use them all one day, but I, I can't pick up 260 kilos yet. So that's what I use often. Um, I have went and bought a, um, a, a cable pulley apparatus. It was on eBay for about 25 bucks. 
Um, and that's is something that I hook over the top of the squat rack, which has kind of like a little chin-up bar type mechanism at the top. Um, and I can do a lot of uh, cable work with the pulley system that I attach uh, some plates to at the bottom. So I can do, you know, a tricep extension, a, a face pull, like a, a lap pull down type variation and a whole range of little things. So I find that really handy. I do have some adjustable dumbbells. I don't actually use them um, much these days. If I do uh, go to use something that would require a dumbbell, it's usually a small dumbbell and I'd often just hold the plate to my hand. <laughs> so if I'm doing like a, a Y raise or something like that, or a lateral raise, I'll just hold the plate to my hand. Um, so I don't often use a lot of dumbbells, but it's actually the the main bit of equipment I'd recommend anybody get is a set of dumbbells because they're so versatile. You can do almost anything with them. Um, I would say dumbbells over even a bench because a bench really all you're using it for is one, a seat to sit down on um, and two, something to lay on to do literally one exercise, a chest press, right? And which you could do a floor press, lay on the floor and do a, a press like on the floor. Um, so like a, a bench is nice as a seat. Um, but if you don't have a bench, you could just use a chair. Uh, so that's that's a, another kind of idea. So if you're thinking about what's the necessary stuff, I would say a dumbbell, number one, if you want to get, if you've got more space, a squat rack, if you don't have much space, maybe a, a folding squat rack, a barbell, really versatile, plates, really versatile, um, a bench to do one exercise, a bench press or a chest press or something like that. Um, or you could use the floor, which is really handy. Cables are really nice to have. Um, a kettlebell, if you like kettlebell swings, but that's probably about it, unless you want to get into the kettlebell world of, of snatches and presses and windmills and all that stuff. But it's its own little um, area, almost a little bit of a cult in the fitness area is the kettlebell folk, which um, I used to be part of, which is nothing wrong with kettlebell folk, but uh, definitely, definitely enjoy some kettlebell swings. I've got some kettlebells at home. Um, but, you know, it really comes down to budget and space because you can kit out an awesome, you know, double car garage full of equipment. Um, some of that equipment you probably use every day. Some of that equipment just collects dust as well. So it really just depends on, again, yeah, time, uh, budget, and space. Yeah, and if it's to do, if the question is to do with our programs, we cater for pretty much everything. So you can filter out um, what, what you do and don't have um, in terms of your equipment. And, um, yeah, you can, go, you can go by that. So we can, you can do home gym or we even have... Um, home gym that's a bit more like a commercial gym so all sorts of different levels that's right that's mm. right nick final question here from rachel in the forum and rachel asks um, i have a hard time keeping a regular gym schedule should i make up my training whenever i can or is it important to complete the workout in a particular order okay i like this question um because it's a, it's a real question where um you know many of us have some you know other things going on in our lives. We've got, we've got families, we've got work lives, we've got social lives, we've got things on where sometimes we can't make it to the gym on a particular day. Okay. Um, so firstly, we need to highlight that any movement, any exercise is better than no exercise. So um, if you missed a particular day, you're meant to train on a Monday and Monday's gone and you missed the day, um, it's not wise to kind of wipe your hands being like, ha well, I'm just not going to do my Monday workout. I'm going to keep on going. Like we still want to be doing some exercise. Some exercise is better than no exercise at all. So that's the first thing we need to highlight. The second thing we need to highlight is that we do need to be intelligent with when we do train so that we can help manage the, uh, you know, fatigue that comes with training. So if you were choosing to train four days a week 
it's not wise to to train on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four days in a row, and then have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, right? We want to be spreading out our training across the weeks that we have um, uh, some intelligence around our approach to training where we go, okay, I'm going to train on Monday, have a rest on Tuesday, train on Wednesday, have a rest on Thursday, train on Friday, then Saturday and have a rest on Sunday and repeat. So we're, you know, getting some good rest in between some training sessions so that we can train hard and intelligently. Okay. So there's two parts of the coin where one, we need to do some exercise and then two, it's better to have some structure. Okay. So to answer it, um, should I train, um, you know, should I make make it up, right? Should I make up my training whenever I can? In most cases, yeah, like we want to be making it up so that we can keep some sort of um, consistency. So if you are choosing to train four days a week, we are kind of training four days a week, even if it does kind of get compressed one week and then spread out another week. Great, sure. Um, it's better to have a bit more structure. What's even better is that if we are consistently missing workouts because of lifestyle factors, it's better to restructure your training program so that you can commit to it. So instead of saying, well, um, I want to train five days a week, but life is so hectic that I can only get to the gym two days a week. We go, okay, well, what if we build a program where you train two days a week instead of five days a week? So you can commit to that consistently, train on the same day. So you get some consistency, some routine, something to build that foundation on and grow rather than trying to force it into five days or four days or three days or seven days, whatever training program you were trying to build. Okay. Um, so within VM challenge, we have lots of flexibility about what days you choose, but then once we um, choose what days we want to train, there is, um, you know, some expectation that you're consistent with those days. So if you want to train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, because that fits with your schedule, um, we would expect you to train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday consistently, because once you build that consistency in getting to the gym, that consistency ripples out to other areas of our fitness journey. Like if you can't consistently make it to the gym, how could you consistently be, um, you know, getting your steps in? How could you consistently do your meal prep or say adherent to your nutrition plan? How could you consistently be getting adequate rest and proper sleep and proper hydration? There's lots of consistency that we're trying to instill within our fitness goals, especially if we're trying to lose as much body fat as we can and gain as much muscle as we can. But we do need to acknowledge the other side of the coin where we can't be complete gatekeepers and going, well, if you can't do this right, there's no point in doing it all. Something is better than nothing. So, you know, going to the gym, uh, regardless of what day and doing something, that's still better than absolutely doing nothing. However, we, we need to acknowledge that for optimalness of this whole, this whole thing, we need to have some consistency and some diligence, some responsibility with our schedule. And we understand that life does get in the way. Sometimes we're just simply tired, we wake up tired. Sometimes we, uh, you know, have to go to our, um, you know, kids recital at school. And sometimes we have to stay back at work because it's hectic. Or sometimes we need to look after our, our sick parents or whatever it is, we understand that. Um, but, you know, if we want to make those big changes, um, you know, we need to find ways to make fitness a part of our everyday lives. Mm. And yeah, don't forget that you can do any workout at any time as well so if, if you want to just do whatever you want to do you can find those workouts on the app at any time just by pressing browse that's right so we have over 120 different workouts each with different levels beginning to meet advanced so 360 different workouts of your choice to choose at any time which is really cool yeah it's very good nick let's wrap it up there for episode number 82 of the challenge weekly show if you enjoyed this episode let us know and we'll catch you next week for episode number 83 thank you everybody
Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.